Richmond Spiders have come to Florida and have knocked off the 13th-ranked Gators. Spider victory over 14th-ranked California. Richmond 94, Cal 90. Davis to climb for the tie. Puts it on the deck. Head fake, shoots, block. We are back. That's right. We did not forget about you guys. We are back for episode 11 of the Frontline Fanatics podcast. Woo! Still the same guys. It's Evan and vacation in March. Andrew Aguilera. That's right. Clean shaven, haircut, on vacation, undisclosed location. That's all I'm going to tell you. How you doing, buddy? The answer should be terrible. Dude, the answer is uh, depression. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, outside of Richmond basketball, things are good. Can't complain. Uh, you know, taking a little break from the Northeast cold, getting away for a little bit, safely, not flying or anything. Not that I'm shaming flyers, but um, all is good. It's been tough since I've, down, since I've been down here. Richmond is uh, 0-2. Um, well, 1-2, I guess. I guess I was down here for the UMass game, but 0-2 in games that actually mattered. Um, we got a lot to get to on this podcast, so I'm going to stop BSing around about what's going on with me, and I want to hear what's going on with you real quick, then let's get into this. If this is, for everyone listening, this is going to be a free-flowing podcast. We have no yeah. topics ready to go. We're just going to rattle off whatever we're thinking, and then, uh, then, then ask for thanks later on. Yeah, we figured that with the, you know, the emotions of what we've been feeling after what happened tonight, we thought it would be better to kind of freestyle this. We've got, you know, kind of a tentative timeline to follow but that's really it so hopefully you'll uh, you'll hang on with us the whole way and i'm not even going to pretend that people are interested in how i am so i'll even skip that part <laughs> i will just say though isn't it sad that you have to preface like outside of richmond basketball everything's going well like is that a yeah. sign <laughs> yeah like my life is dominated by the way that this team plays like i was even watching with my parents night and they're like oh man again i'm like yeah i could have i wish i just kind of sometimes i wish i just went somewhere where i didn't care about the team but then also I kind of wish I went to like Michigan where like they're good every year and I, and yeah. I wouldn't have to worry as much, but you know, that's the life of a Richmond basketball fan. And we're going to, we're going to get into it right now. We are. So for those of you who happen to miss this game, which I don't blame you because it was, you know, 6 PM on a Monday, right after a, a Saturday game against St. Louis. Um, however, tonight uh, Richmond lost to then three win now four win St. Joseph 76 to 73 at home bringing our uh, total record to 13-7 and seven on the year and dropping us from a potential double-by number three spot in the A-10 tournament down to number eight in the A-10 rankings. Um, Woof. Andrew, you know, I remember still when we decided that we were going to pick this back up again and we started recording. I was, I was out in uh, California in, in November. It was right before we were about to play Moorhead State in Kentucky. We were talking about you know, dream season. We were talking about best class Richmond's ever had. Uh, a week later, we were seeing articles on The Athletic. Chris Mooney, how do you like me now? Yep. And here we are. We are uh, seven spots below what we were predicted to finish regular <laughs> season. Yep. And we are, I mean, what, two starters hobbled and just probably emotionally down, right? Defeated. So yeah. Um, to this game, this game, what is your instant reaction how could this have happened what went wrong and why are we why are we an eight seed in the a10 tournament i mean my instant reaction is i'm going to start with the positive um i've been saying since that first game that nathan ko looked like the guy that we had to get the ball to and it started out those first couple games moorhead kentucky we were feeding ko the ball it was working then i feel like ko just disappeared for like six or seven games he was on the court, wasn't playing as many minutes, but we weren't feeding him the ball. He wasn't the focal point of the offense. Obviously, going into the season, we thought Jacob and Grant were going to be the focal points, you know, with Blake and guys like Connor Crab Crabtree contributing. K.O. had a good year last year, but we didn't know if he was going to, you know, be the guy this year. I had thought after those first couple games, he is going to be the guy. Then, like I said, he disappeared. He's kind of made a resurgence. This was his best game of the year, in my opinion. He missed some shots that he should have made, but for the most part, I think he ended with like 23 points, 25 points. He played well. We know he's not the rebounder. He's a forward. He can score, but he's not a rebounder. I wish he was the rebounder, but my instant reaction on the positive is that he played really well. Negatives, there were plenty. Again, we don't play defense. 
We don't get any rebounds. We try to match whatever the other team is doing, which is something we've been doing for years. If we just stuck to our game, I think we would have been in better shape this game. If we had just kind of, even though Grant, you know, he wasn't 100%. Obviously, his hand was messed up. But we just fed it to him down low, and he, he was working on the passing. I saw him try to do some passing stuff in the game, but he was forcing too many passes down low to guys like Isaiah or, or Jai, and it was, it was working for a little bit, but it just felt forced. So if we were just getting him in the middle of the paint, feeding it out, maybe taking some threes. But I felt like we were just forcing everything. Like St. Joe's would come down, chuck threes, chuck threes, chuck threes. They were making some. They were missing a lot. And then we would come down into the same thing. Like, why couldn't we just put together better – possessions and I think it would have been a closer game but besides that we didn't play any defense we got beat down low with a team that doesn't really have that many bigs we can talk about St. Louis in a bit who has bigs that beat us down there we got beat down low we got beat on rebounding where Jacob Gilliard was our, I'm pretty sure he was our leading rebounder for the game that should not happen with tied, everyone else I will, I will interject there, really quick Tyler end up ending tied with Tyler for eight total rebounds okay he, he was tied but still like that's I mean I love Gilly Gilly's great he should not be tied for rebounds on our team. If we're actually boxing out and getting these boards, we, these games would be way closer. Like I'm watching, I'm watching with my dad on the couch next to me. He doesn't watch all the time. And we're watching these shots go up and guys like Funk, he's getting his own rebound after he shoots a three. Like, how does that happen? And I know we got guys like shout out the Mooney account that follows us. That's always like rebounding is an effort. Rebounding is an effort. But at a certain point, like we got bigger guys out there. We got to be getting those boards. So that was a negative for me. Also a negative was when we had two freshmen on the court at the end of the game, not that there's anything wrong with that, getting a possession, turning it over when Andre turns it over, when we have a timeout that we could have used to tie the game up there. That's another negative for me. I got a lot of negatives for this game. I'm not going to get even more deep into it without hearing what you have to say. So, yeah, I don't want to jump in and assume that everybody watched this game. So just to recap a couple of key things that developed here, Blake Francis went down in the first half with what looked like maybe like a hip to back injury. And that was a negative. That's one of my negatives as well. After taking a hard uh, fall on a layup attempt, uh, he tried to come back in the second half and give it a go, but he looked like he was in some obvious discomfort out there. So he finished with a, uh, a nine minutes and a complete offer, no, no stats at all, which obviously we, we couldn't have anticipated going in. And then Grant Golden um, essentially did not play the set, like the last 10 minutes of the second half, um, partly due to that finger injury, but also Coach Mooney did reveal in the post-game presser that he felt Matt Grace was a more uh, suitable matchup for Taylor Funk and just St. Joe's in general towards the end of the game, which I think we'll get into after. But in the first half when Grant did play, um, six points, three turnovers, no assists, four rebounds. Um, So especially the second half, we had to see a lot of of Isaiah Wilson, who I think gave us great minutes tonight for the most part. Jai Bailey, who made a couple good plays, but I mean, the, yep. the kid's just not seen the floor at all this year. So yep. to expect him to, to give us, you know, an impact big, on, big on impact senior night, yeah. on senior yeah. night is not, yeah. not realistic. Uh, Gustafson, I've probably played his career high in minutes. He played 23. And as much as I like him, um, Me too. I, think we, I think we clearly saw that he's more of a spark plug player and not he's a, a, he's a rotation guy. Yeah. Right. Not a consistent um, threat for us. Right. And so here's the deal. We finished total in this game, eight assists, eight yes, assists total. That's horrific. That must be, and I, I don't know, I don't have it in front of me, but that must be a season low by at least seven. Like, I don't know if we've had less than 15 assists in a single game, just because of how much, how, how much our offense runs through ball movement and, and backdoor cuts and open looks. I mean, we had none of that, right? And I think that's a, a testament to when Grant is not 100%. We've been lucky the past three years that – Grant has stayed relatively healthy. When he's not 100% and can't make those plays, our offense crumbles. Um, and with Grant having zero assists, right, and him not being able to make those plays, and Gilliard finished with two assists and three turnovers. So two assists between those two guys, our primary uh, playmakers. Our offense was basically resorted to giving Nathan Ko the ball on the block, having him take about 15 dribbles from the three-point line to the low block and, and then doing and some sort of jump teamed, yeah. And he was getting triple teamed at the end of the game, quadruple teamed. Like you said, he played a great game. I mean, he took – this is crazy. How many shots do you think Ko took this game? 21 is my guess. That, that's exactly right. You must have – Really? To, yeah, you <laughs> no, definitely have them. You I sure? Them. I swear <laughs> okay. to God. That's exactly right. How much do you think – I'll tell you, the next person uh, in field goal, att- field goal attempts was Jacob. How many do you think he took? 12. Nine. 
Okay. So that's, a twenty-one to twelve, amazing. a twenty-one to nine disparity on field goal attempts. So that's what our offense became. Give it to Nathan, who we all know he becomes sort of a vacuum in the low post. Like usually he shoots. I mean, eleven for twenty-one, great shooting night. We can't complain about that. But he does become a little bit of a vacuum. He doesn't necessarily find cutters as well as as some of our other our other bigs, Grant especially. So it's just a different offense, right? It's not feed the low post and either go for the the the, the easy basket or dish off to a three-point shooter or a cutter. It's Go to the low post, and he's going to shoot, and we're going to live with the result, right? So I think that was the key to this game. Without Grant in there at the end, um, and even yep. in the beginning, not being 100%, our offensive flow was was completely completely turned off, right? And that's yep. a big uh, point um, of – it's a big point of fear for me, right, going into the A-10 tournament, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But if we yep. can't have him out there at 100%, um, I just don't know how we consistent – or Blake, I don't know how we can consistently get good looks. Um, and just one other thing, like I'm looking, I'm looking at, at St. Joe's and, you know, Funk had a great game and, and Daly had a, by no means an incredible game. I mean, he had 14 points on five for 16 shooting. Yeah. It wasn't a great game for him. That's not that like Funk, Funk shot four for nine from three and eight for 14 from the field. That's really good. But as a team, like they shot 30% from three and 40% from the field on the game. Yeah. That's not, that, you know, that's not going to kill you. And so I think our, our just inability to. I mean, there were times where our offense just looked completely lost. I mean, dead, with, dead. with Jacob in there, with Jacob in there, with yeah. Grant in there, it, it just, you know, it was completely out of sorts. And um, I think we've got a lot of of work to do to be able to come out against Duquesne, yeah. uh, who's going to be our next opponent on Thursday. Yeah. I mean, and the last thing I want to say is that the turnovers in this game were just horrific. I mean, Sancho's had 13. We had 12, and right? I think, I think, yeah, and I think every time that they turned it over, we turned it over back. So I feel like it was a one-for-one one. day at 13, we had 12. I feel like we barely converted on any of those turnovers, which was tough. And they were not, like, great steals by St. Joseph's. No, no. They were disgusting throws out of bounds or, you know, we could just couldn't handle the ball. It was tough. It was honestly a tough game to watch. It was a bad watch. Yeah, but. I just want I mean, to add, add one more point. Yeah. Um, just to follow up on what I was saying, our, um, our per game team assist, uh, number this year over the 19 games we've played per game is 15 assists per game. Um, that, and even in conference, it's actually a little higher. It's 15 and a half assists per game. So to have, to have a game where we only had eight assists, assists, half of our normal assist number, that's, that's your key right there. Just, you know. I don't think there was a single – like, every single game we had that one patented backdoor cut. Blake's going backdoor. Andre's going backdoor. Grant feeds them. You know, it's that old, that thing where they dribble towards the, the, the defender and they're either going to commit or fall asleep. You go backdoor. That wasn't there at all. Um, Greg Beckwith was talking on the broadcast that they were throwing, like, a triangle and two at us, which I haven't heard since, like, YMCA basketball when I was, like, 10 years old. My dad – if we were, like, my dad was our coach, and if we were playing a good team with two players, we'd run, like, a triangle and two. I don't know if they actually – like, I'll have to go back and look to see if they actually did run that. But yeah. it seemed pretty apparent that they just were going to let Grant – one-handed Grant and KO yeah. try to beat them, which is a pretty good strategy to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt like they weren't running anything on offense or defense. Defense, they just made us try to chuck some threes up and match them. And then down low, they were just double or triple teaming us. And then on offense, they were just ripping shots whenever they got a semi-open look. So, yeah, I mean, credit out to them. They won the game. And – I think we lost it more than they won it, but we, we lost that game. We lost. No, we lost at it. no point in that game, though, did I feel like we were really in it. Even at the end, when Grace, you know, hits that tragic <laughs> three that he couldn't yeah. get off, and everyone lost their minds for a minute. Like, I mean, we were never really up, but we just choked it so bad. It, um, it hurt. It hurt watching that game. So I know especially we don't want to do, especially when I knew it was coming. Yeah, well, you knew it was coming, and you made money off of it, which is that's great which, for you. Man. Which is sad. I wish we would have won, but could have made a grand um, if I bet on St. Joe's. But I'm a. I did not do that because I love St. I love Richmond. I I don't think we want to recap too much, but I think to my next point, this is a little relevant. So obviously, on Saturday, we came off a pretty you know demoralizing loss to um, St. Louis. Not in the fact that we didn't play well. I mean, we had a very bad first half and then a pretty good second half. Um, but that was a game that was kind of like a a, a, a uh, must win for uh, at-large chances, right? The winner of that team kind of stayed on the bubble, uh, or the winner of that game, excuse me, stayed on the bubble while the loser fell off the bubble a little bit. And so these two results, uh, combined with the fact of the VCU loss and VCU, so we are one in three over our last four, I believe. Um, that has led to some, uh, some some people on Twitter getting a little upset. And uh, I'll just go ahead and say it. Oh, yeah. 
the fire moody, fire moody mafia excuse me is back in a big way they're all oh, over very, twitter very back the uh the og twitter account i don't know if he's ever coming back he might get the uh, he might have gotten the permanent ban he might have gotten there, banned, yeah they're back and we're, we're going to get into this in our next segment with some some viewer questions or some listener questions but um i mean instant reaction here is that folks are asking us if chris mooney gets fired because of this loss and is this a one of the worst losses in the recent chris mooney era and i mean Aggie, what's your like? What's your thought that we're even being asked those questions right now? Like, what? what how, how does that make you feel? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they have a point. I don't think this loss specifically is is enough to fire someone. I think it's just the culmination of the whole season. Like, you know, we won a couple of big games early in the year that turned out to you know not be great games, and then now we look back at some of our losses and we're like, yeah, those those were pretty bad losses. Like, yeah. Losing to LaSalle, who then St. Joe's beat, who then St. Joe's beat us. So I guess, you know, whatever, by the transitive property, St. Joe's is better, the best <laughs> team in the A-10. Now I'm not going to get too far into that, but I mean, it's tough for me. Like I, I used to be for sure on the Fire Mooney Mafia, 100%. I kind of bought back into it. I'm like, I'm going to go into this year with an open mind, but I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of leaning to going back a little bit. It's tough. It's just like, we've seen this so many times, Evan. You know it. I know it. However many, how many years have we been fans? Like seven years, eight years that we've been, in, since we were in college as freshmen, like. 2013 just, is when we really started following it. Exactly. So like so eight years. Eight years. So it's like the same stuff eight years in a row. And like, we haven't made the tournament in like over 10 years now, 2011, which yeah. I, with this no tournament last year, which everyone's like, oh, we should have been in. Like, I don't, I don't care about that. Like that's. I don't that buy into that too much either. That wasn't I, real. That wasn't real. Yeah. We didn't know what's yeah. going to happen. So I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of. I'm kind of 50-50. I feel like, yeah. like you said, if he, like we talked about this offline, if he leaves, we're going to lose people. People will transfer out. I don't know if it's going to be anyone crazy significant. Also depends who you yeah. bring in as well. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I, don't th- I don't know if that's the answer, even though as much as I love, if you ask 2018, Andrew, is this the answer? Yes. Get him out. This is the answer. <laughs> yeah. But now it's like, I don't know if this is the answer. Maybe it was, I don't want to make excuses. Maybe it was the COVID stuff. Maybe it wasn't. Regardless, we didn't perform to what we needed to do this year and I feel like Mooney has had a couple chances he's had years where it's like all right you got to perform this year especially this year when it's like this is the one seed in the A-10 they are going to win the A-10 they're going to go to the tournament now we're not going to go to the tournament barring some miracle so I don't know I don't know if it's the answer or not but I'm sort of leaning towards that billboard again yep yeah and like maybe if we knew we were getting into Richmond in 2010 and 2011 and we saw Mooney take that team to the tournament that we would feel some sort of affinity towards him and that we would be less reluctant to get so upset about these things. But like, I think there, I mean, there must be people that have been, I mean, obviously alumni that graduated in the the seventies, eighties, nineties that, you know, have seen that, but are still upset about things. Right. And so I don't think that's, you know, that's, that's in, uh, that's a be all end all there. Um, but I, what you just mentioned, I want to talk about a little bit more. So what, what I think I want to transition into now is, is some of our, our fan mail questions. Um, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I want to do, some, uh some passionate ones this week. Yeah, I want to do two in a row specifically because I just got one, a late edition that ties perfectly into what you were talking about. But I think we need to preface it with a question we got. We'll keep these all anonymous. If you do want to get called out, let us know and we'll do it next time. But one of the questions we got was pretty straightforward. Um, well, let me double check to make sure I got the right wording here. I got to remember if it is, does Chris Mooney get fired or should Chris Mooney get fired? Um, it should Chris Mooney get fired. So, okay. I know you talked a little bit about it. And so I'll let you, I'll let you towards the end of this, add in any more if you want. Yeah. Get your perspective. And then there's a, there's an additional kind of sub question to this. Should it be now or after the season? Um, there, there, I mean, firing Chris Moody. Yeah. Firing Chris Moody right now would, would potentially be one of the worst PR, like, you know, we talk about looks like it would be one of the worst looks possible. Like that would be all over like John Rothstein. I mean, we can't do that and not yeah. even only PR, like we're going into the A-10 tournament, like that would just give our team negative motivation like, to, uh, to yeah. even try to compete. I don't know who the worst team in college basketball is right now, but if they fired their coach right now, it would be a huge deal. So that, that, yeah. like, let's be real, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so it would obviously be after the season. Should he be fired? Um, I think the answer to that depends on what, and I'll call out John Hart, what he wants this team to be in the future. And by the future, I mean the immediate next one to two years. 
like you mentioned, a very big thing to consider is that if Chris Mooney gets fired, there is a better than 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 solid chance that one of the key underclassmen we rely on right now would transfer to another school, would look to go to another school, right? And would their would their initials maybe start with T and end with B? See, I don't want to call it anyone specific, but I think people can can infer who I'm who I'm referring to there. Um, you know, and we've seen this with tons of schools, like Wake Forest, for example. They just hired Steve Forbes from from I think it was Eastern Tennessee State, and then they let go of Danny Manning. They let go of Danny Manning, and Jai Bailey, who's a member of our our team right now, came to Richmond because they let go of Danny Manning. If they didn't yep. do that, he would be a demon deacon right now. And Forbes brought in ETSU guys that he had, right? So if Mooney were to take another job or anything like that, there is big time roster turnover there, not to mention the current roster as well as the recruits. That being said, a big, uh, the elephant in the room that I think we haven't been addressing too much recently, just because we don't want to look too far ahead, is that this roster is very, very questionable looking forward. Very the roster. Yeah, the roster is Tyler Burton as your star with a bunch of other role players might be like a endearing term, right? I mean, with, let's with maybe like a Jacob Gilliard miracle comeback season. And we'll get to that as another question we have. Yeah. Um, but like let's 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 map this out. Isaiah uh, Wilson, Connor Crabtree, um uh Andre Tyler. Gustafson. Tyler Burton and Matt Grace is your potential starting five next year. Let's let that sink in. I just want everyone to think about that for one second Yeah. and and rank that on a confidence scale from one to 10. Now, where where does that lineup come in in the top, whatever of the A-10? I mean, you can write me down right now. If that's our starting lineup next year, it's a bottom five A-10 team without, Uh, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Um, So I think the athletics department needs to decide if they want to try to compete next year by maybe I mean, the glaring hole in that starting five is a big. I, I just, yeah. I'm sorry, I don't think Matt Grace is a capable D1 starting big man. So if they can get a transfer big in there who can come in and make an impact and, you know, partner with Tyler, maybe we can, you know, be a team that surprises some people next year. But especially with the transfer rules now where they can come in and play next year. Exactly. It's a big if. So, yeah. and again, this scenario assumes that all of the current seniors will move on, which we'll get to at the end. Yeah. So those are your two options, guys. I think it's either try to come back again and get an impact transfer or two that will make us be a middle of the pack team or just full reorganization. And that could look ugly. I mean, that could look really ugly. That could Um, set us back years. So it's a really tough answer. I think what I will say is that if, if John Hart can be convinced that coach Mooney can bring in a transfer or two to assist Tyler and make it so that this isn't just a Tyler Burton team with a bunch of role players around him. I think he deserves another, another year uh, with Tyler Burton. However, if we can determine that in that, you know, in that off se- that end of season, the exit interview, right. Or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. If, if coach Mooney's like, yeah, we're going to run it back with Tyler and them. No shot. That team is going to be really bad. And so yeah. why not just refresh, get everybody back. And, you know, I mean, you and I are the biggest, you know, FMM people in the world, but I just think, I mean, we could be looking at four or five years of irrelevancy if we if we clean house. Um, and people yeah. got to realize that's going to be dark, dark days. So I know there was a little bit of a tangent, sorry, but I just wanted to lay no, that out good. there because I think good. it's something that people haven't thought about is after this year, if nobody comes back, it is a wasteland out there. So, you know, do you disagree with me? Do you think no matter what, we need to have a new face? I know I, you kind of said I, maybe not, but. No, I, I think you're on the right track, 100%. I think you know, gut instinct is always, let's blame it on the coach. Um, but like you said, there's so many other factors that go into that. And don't get me wrong. I like Tyler as a player, but let's be honest. He has not been the same since the COVID pause. He has not been able to get to the basket and score. He doesn't rebound, misses free throws, terrible, terrible fouls. Like yeah. some of the worst fouls I've ever seen. So it, it's tough for me watching these last couple of games being like, okay, he's the pinnacle of the offense. Like let's run everything through him. So it's so hard unless there's like a guarantee that we could get someone better that can bring someone better in with a better staff. Me, I, I think it's worth writing it out one, one more chance with hopefully, you know, I don't want to get political here, but like a, a more vaccinated country where it's safer to do things and we don't have to worry about quarantines in the Hampton Inn for 
Yeah. Maybe not the right amount of days at the collegiate end or whatever. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know what the right answer is. I've always, like I told you, I've always been a Fire Mooney Mafia guy. <laughs> I just don't know if that's the right answer. And I, I've totally flipped. I don't know if it's the right answer at this point. Right. Especially knowing that, you know, we've talked to briefly with guys like TJ who are like, we love this guy. We want to play for a guy like Mooney. Like, yeah. I don't want to lose some of the players we have just to set ourselves back five or six years. I don't think it's worth it. I would rather, I would, I'm putting it up, stating on the record now. I would rather <laughs> ride it out with the five you said next year and then come back the year after that knowing, okay, now we have a more seasoned guy like Tyler. We got Isaiah, we got Jai. Like guys that know how to play and are more experienced with a better tournament chance then rather than setting the program back five or six years. Because I know myself and other people that are on the Fire Mooney Mafia do not want to put us back five or six more years when we right. think we should have been in the tournament this year. Yeah, I think this is something we're going to have to get into in like an offseason podcast because a lot of it depends on who we could possibly bring in. And that, that's just such a big question. Yeah, we've um, got to see what happens with hiring and firing in offseason, right. for sure. I, and, and one thing you mentioned, we, we assume that Tyler will just take natural leaps as he gets older, but he'll also become the number one player on the scouting report if that lineup runs out there next year. And yeah. it, it is foolish to assume that he'll be able to be as productive as the number one focus of a team's defense. Right now, he's potentially number four four or five with that line. And he hasn't been, and he hasn't been performing last couple exactly. of um, I do want to add quickly one additional question I got that's a little relevant to this and we'll kind of close the loop here before moving on to the next series of questions. But um, I just got a question. Explain to casual Spiders fans why they should give a damn moving forward with a lackluster roster and a coach who offers little hope for the future. Um, so thank <laughs> you for that question. And uh, I think we addressed a good amount of it, but I'll just answer it and answer what you said. With it. Dude, This is really simple to me. Our big, our big man depth chart right now is Grant one, uh, Matt Grace two, Sal three. That's it. Like, sure, maybe you can – well, I guess KO, but we don't run the offense through KO in the same way. So, And we can, also sure, don't know if he's coming back or not. Right. You can say that's, that Tyler Burton is technically a four, but he's more of a three to me. We just rely on him to get rebounds because we're that shorthanded. And like our Sal and Grace even big men technically, no, I think they're so more three and fours. We had – um, Andre Weir, he is now gone. We do not have a single player, I think, over 6'6 six, six in our next two or three recruiting classes. So it is solely Matt Grace and Sal Caressi for the next year or two. If I am John Hart and Chris Mooney says, I think with these two guys, I could run my Princeton offense that is reliant on a big man <laughs> being able to be the focal point and yeah. key playmaker of an offense, I send him packing. There's yeah. just there's that, just no way. Is, there's no chance of that being possible. Right? You might as well run the two of us out there. S seriously, no. Okay, I won't say that. I mean, they're they're much better than us. <laughs> no, but yeah, they're much better than us. If he says, "Hey, look, there's these four guys on the transfer uh, on the transfer list. I think I can. I think we can get a good shot at one of these four. And then I've got this guy who's a senior. He is under recruited, and I think he can come in and be the big man of the future after the transfer leaves. Then I'm like, okay, you know what? You know what you're doing. But it's just absurd to think that we'll be able to run those guys out as our big man rotation next year and have any semblance of what we've had the last, what is it, cumulative like six years with Grant and TJ. I yeah. mean, going back to the beginning of this podcast, the whole issue tonight was that without Grant running our offense, we had no offense. We had eight assists. So to think what that'll look like in the future, you yeah. guys can, you guys can figure out the rest. So that is what I will say to that question is you are right. Like obviously, but you also have to think about if Mooney was let go, what that roster might look like in, in a result right? It might even yeah. look worse. So, you know, right now you're kind of picking your poison and I think it's going to, John Hart's going to have to have some serious thought about what the future might look for him um, and, and his fighter team. So I, do I think we'll a, get off. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish up. Finish up. I, was just gonna, I think we'll get off the, 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 that question. Hopefully you guys got an understanding of what we were thinking there, but um, I did want to say, you have a, you have an addition to that really quick. So, so I got, I got a question. It was more of like a positive statement the other day. And I just kind of want to reflect on that now. Um, so I was talking to someone and I was talking about how, you know, it's kind of frustrating the year that we've had. And this was the text. Yeah, it's been hard to buy into something that keeps letting you down. We've been there before. I'm not giving up on this team, though. I watched pretty much every minute they played this year. And the, the balance between defense and synergies on offense is the best I've seen on a Richmond team. They have the depth, shooting, post play, and pretty much everything you could ask for in a successful offense. There's one glaring weakness is getting bodied in the paint defensively. But when double teaming, kind of like we did in the second half against St. Louis, our perimeter defenders are quick and instinctual enough to make up for that. 
I basically replied with like bullshit. So I just want to kind of see what now after the St. St. Joe's game, I kind of feel like that's like, I don't really think much of that applies. Here's what I'll say. As long as Chris Mooney is the coach of, of this team, is it unrealistic to think that we will never have a solid paint presence? Yes, I think that is fair. And we, we haven't. We haven't. Right, because in, we've, had we're one, trading... we've had one good paint player in, like, in a rotation every time. Let me, let me try to think of who that is. Who are you referring to? Uh... Oh, oh, Dion. Deion, Deion Taylor. Taylor? Oh, my God. Yeah, okay. <laughs> if that's your good paint player, that, that shows I'm just kidding. You. I love Deion Taylor. He's great. Maybe, like, Nelson Adota was okay. Trey Davis. He, he blocked Trey some Davis. shots. Um, but here's what I'll say. So, we trade blocks, rebounds, and altered shots for assists and – I don't Not know. Not rebounds. Yeah, assists. That's, assists. That's assists yeah. and maybe some, some points, right? Some, some – yeah. whatever. So, like – the, the perfect big man in Chris Mooney's system is like Draymond Green or Marcus Jokic. Or Jokic, right? Like, yeah. like, but we're not going to get that at Richmond, right? We're not going to get an <laughs> NBA caliber point no. forward at Richmond. So, Which I, I hope we do. But here's the thing. We're we either going to have a, a plus passing big man that can't rebound or defend for shit or a strictly rebounder and defender that looks lost every time we put him in the high post or get him on the perimeter, like yeah. Jordan Madrid Andrews, even though we can't really say he was good on defense. So like, peace. Sell, I mean, seller, le- seller legend. Would you rather have like a, just a strict, strictly defensive player that is not, we are not running our offense through. I mean, maybe I would just to like, just to get like a 6'10", 260 guy in there. what it's like. I don't even want to see him touch the ball outside of like yeah. five feet away from the basket. Like, don't even run the off. Like, just put him on the block. But he gets three blocks and 11 rebounds a game. Like, would basically, we love that or would we hate Rich, that? Basically, Richmond Tyson Chandler is what you're yeah. describing. Would, would we love that or would we hate that? I feel like we would – I feel like we would destroy that person. I feel like the fans would hate it. I feel like I would like it because it would help us down low. But, like yeah. – even if we have one guy that can do that, they can find teams can find a way around that. So let's get to the next um, question. Sorry. Next question. I, it, this is somewhat related to what we were saying, but I think it's a quick answer. Um, to get a question that basically said, if we, which this was a good call, if we lose this St. Joe's game and then lose in the first round of the A-10 tournament, do we see any of these seniors coming back again to use that extra year of eligibility? My answer to this is very quick, but what is yours? Um, let's run through it. Golden? No, I don't. I think he's gone. He's already he's already shown that he's gotten injured enough. I think he's trying to seek a contract wherever that is. Blake has already said he's done. Uh, Gilly, he's the only one I think is maybe a fifty. Actually, not the only one. I think Gilly has a chance, but I also think he has he'll have, find enough opportunities, whether it's in NBA, G League, abroad, and like the TJ connections. I think he can find a spot. Um, I think him and and Ko are the only 50% chances that I'll put to return. Otherwise, I think everyone's gone. I don't think there's yeah. a reason to come back. Um, Especially after they've had to put up with this COVID season. I think they yeah. are like, let's just go play. We got to put up with the COVID stuff anyways. We might as well get paid for it. You guys got to remember, like, I'm trying to – I don't have the ages in front of me, but Grant is in his fifth year. Nick is in his fifth year. KO's in his fourth. Oh, I didn't even think of Nick. Jake's in his – yeah, which I'll him. talk about. Jake's in his fourth. Um, am I forgetting one more? Uh, KO's four still. Oh, and Blake's in his fifth. So yeah. these guys yeah, are all gone. Blake said he's gone. Yeah, these guys are all minimum twenty-two or twenty-three years old. They are playing a sport that demands a full-time job worth of effort for free. Like I think the majority of them are gonna want to go get their money. Especially um, in a COVID season where yeah. it's not like they got to enjoy the 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 college life. If anything, they've had to focus on basketball in college, like if you're doing that already, you might as well just go pro. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like for, for all of you that were second semester seniors in college and were part of any sort of social group, like remember how you felt like when you got like freshmen around you or like you went to a party, you were like, oh my God, I, I feel, I feel ancient. Like I need to go, go be part of the real world, go to a city, like do whatever. Imagine that times two, like some of these guys are yeah. 24 years old, like 23 years old. And like so, they actually can't do anything except play basketball and get exactly. tested every day. And so I think I, I would be very, very surprised to see one of the core five come back. I think the only two at all would be uh, Nick. I think just because he missed an entire season, he might have some sort of call to come back and 
run it back one more time. And he um, would be the pinnacle of the offense. Exactly. And then I know you said Grant, no. I actually don't think Gilly would come back, but I think Grant could potentially, although that would be his sixth year, I think. Um, and so he would graduate being like 25 years old, probably. You don't, so think, think. You don't think KO comes back in any, any circumstance? I mean, I wouldn't say no circumstance, but I, I feel like know. this is his best year, so like maybe I'm just, I'm just thinking these guys. I mean, like I said, they've I been like doing they've this for enough. five years. I mean, and yeah, this, like you enough. said, they just want to move on and become professionals. Like even if it's professional low-level basketball, that's what they yeah. that's what they want to do. So I mean, that's like when we were in college, we were we were ready to get out at the end. You're ready oh. to go do your, do your own stuff. Live update. Am I am I allowed to share this? Did you see the email yeah. that we just got? No, I think I I'm going to share this live update. I didn't get an email. Dear Evan Aldifer, thank you for your interest in covering the 2021 Atlantic 10 Conference Men's Basketball Championship. Your request for credentials has been denied since it did not fall within established priorities governing, governing the in, issuance of credentials. So, live result, <laughs> I just, just got the no bid to covering the A-10 tournament. No bid, let's go. <laughs> you can decide if that makes the final cut, but I think that's oh my pretty God. funny. Oh, that's, go, that's um, going in 100%. We'll hit up, we'll hit up our point. Uh, I would put it at less than 10% chance that any of them come back. Um, so we, yeah. should, like I said, we should expect to have a completely overhauled brand new roster, not brand new, but completely different roster next year. Also, I will be contacting the contact you gave us to get into that. <laughs> oh, I will be, I will hundred percent be sending an email tomorrow. I have one more question or maybe there's two more, but one more that I thought would be um, a little relevant. Well, this isn't even really a question. We asked this question. Frontline fanatics tweeted out, should Chris Mooney be fired? 68 votes we're at now, 82% have said yes. That is somewhat significant to me. Um, I know Twitter is probably a more like FMM space than a non-Fire Mooney base, but, oh well, man, emotions are high right now, buddy. That's, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to comment on that. <laughs> no, no tweet comment. Laugh. Tweet made me laugh, though. Um, well, we, okay. We have one more uh, joke question related to that. Like, okay. what font should we use for the billboard now? <laughs> it's brutal. I'm a big, uh, I'm an aerial guy in email. I don't know how that shows up on billboards, though. All right. All right. So, hit the last one. I, we, I know what it is. I got it up here, too. No, you got it. Go ahead. All right. It's the, it's the, the worst losses, right? Oh, yes. Of course. Okay. Uh, where does this loss rank among Mooney's worst losses? Shout out Dark Out Front. Oh, is a shout out dark up front loyal Big supporter. Um, it's got to be top ten for me. I don't, I don't know exactly where. Maybe top five, honestly. Um, we know Oral Roberts will always be up there, just because we also witnessed that. But yeah. I don't know exactly where. I'm not going to go into the whole list. I might honestly blog this later this week, so keep an eye out for that. Um, but I don't know. It's it's tough for me because the St. Joe's was team was so bad this year, but. They kind of had all their pieces, and they've been playing well. So it's it's kind of hard for me to be like, all right, this team is really really bad. But I don't know. I feel like if this team had all their weapons the whole season, I think they I think they would have been okay. I think they yeah. would have been a 500 team. So I'm not I just gonna like as one of his worst, but I would I would say top 10 just due to the circumstances of where we were at and how bad we so needed this win. I think so too. It, Oral Roberts, I think, still is like the number one. Like that was just an atrocious loss. Yeah. Um, a lot of them like. So this one, I would say our two big excuses were the fact that we had no Blake in the second half, no Grant in the majority of the second half. However, like if we go back that one Longwood loss, that's when Nick tore his ACL. And Oof, that, that was rough. That was rough. Too. Yeah, it was so bad. So bad. So I think it's a debate if it goes into the top five, but a top 10 enough should tell you guys. Um, yeah. And like, just like tough to hear people being like, this St. Joseph's team is so much different with Ryan Daly. Like, give me a, a break. Like, yeah. I don't know, man. Like, if you put LeBron James on the St. Joseph's team, are they a, are they a 500 team? Is that a dumb question? He, no, they're the he, one seed. They're the yeah, one seed. He, he probably scored – how many points does he score? Do you think he scores like 55? 50 a game. Yeah. <laughs> 50 Okay, dumb question. Easy. Yeah, Tyler Burton's not checking LeBron James. Dumb yeah. question. My, but my point is, though, that Ryan Daly is not on the caliber of LeBron James. He, he's, Ryan Daly does not equal three straight wins against – who is it? Davidson? No, LaSalle. Dayton, Richmond, Dayton, and LaSalle. No, it was LaSalle, Dayton, Richmond in order. Even though we love Ryan Daly, we are a Ryan Daly podcast, but we are upset that he beat us or the team beat us. Funk is nasty though. I can't get over that. So I think we're getting towards the end of things here, but just to to kind of wrap up with look ahead. Um, We, as of now, we're up up, live update. We're up to 69 votes. Nice. Let's go. Nice. 
We are the eighth seed in the Atlantic 10 tournament after being picked first. I just want everybody to remember that. Um, yep. We play uh, Duquesne, Duquesne. In the first, the, the quarterfinals, 11 a.m. on Thursday. So I hope you don't have a job that requires you to be on calls all day. Like and I, I hope do. you're not on the West Coast. <laughs> yeah, I hope you're also not on the West Coast. 8 a.m. West Coast game. Um, I don't know if we'll be able to do a recap pod or a, a preview pod before it, but if, if just in case, if not, um, this is the team we just played, we just saw, and it was by no means a comfortable win. Mm-hmm. Um, they, their, their center, I, I think it's Michael Hughes. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Like rolled his ankle in, in the, in the beginning of the second half, but then proceeded to just grab five offensive rebounds in the second half. Like nobody is there. And that's with a, I think a, a, healthy finger grant at least for a little bit so what do you think richmond has to do to not lose in the first round of the a10 tournament and have probably the most disappointing result in the chris mooney era i think we just need to play the opposite of the way we played tonight honestly i mean we played what we beat them by seven and then they lost to LaSalle, and then they beat rhode island so like this is a weird team. I mean, we're better than them. I say that confidently, but I'm not really that confident in it. Um, but I don't know. I feel like the only reason this game was close was just because we were it's, – it's just the classic Richmond thing we always do. We always try to match the opponent's game plan instead of sticking to our own. I think if we go in there, Grant is semi-healthier, which I hope he will be after, what, like five days? Yeah. Four days. I hope that happens. I think I think we'll be okay. If we just play our game and don't try to do whatever Duquesne does, we should be able to win this game. If we lose this game, I think Richmond Twitter is going to go ballistic. So, just because you said that, I do want to I do want to add a couple things. I'm on the Spider NBB Instagram account. I just want to read again for those who think Fire Moody Mafia is just like a couple dudes in their garage, like with nothing better to do with their lives. I just want to read you a couple of highlights of the top comments from the Spider MVB results page of this game, this loss. Embarrassing. Fire Mooney. There's the capstone performance from our best class ever. Bye-bye Mooney. Unacceptable to see the Spiders lose to the worst team in the A-10. Amazing effort. St. Joe's dot, dot, dot. Coach Carter would have quit on this Richmond team if he knew how bad they were. That's actually funny. (laughs) It's just... A lot of people are really upset. And so yeah. we'll see that come to a, I think, an explosion um, if we is, lose is this Coach, game. Is Chris Mooney going to lock the gym like Coach Carter after this game? That's pretty funny, though. <laughs> Coach Carter would have quit on these guys if they knew yeah, how. That, like, that's, that's actually that's, that's good. Yeah, that's legit. People are not happy, man. And so – No. But another thing, people won't be happy if we beat Duquesne, but then, you know, kind of gracefully bow out to St. Louis, who we – or Bonaventure, sorry, Bonaventure. who we beat in the second round. If we lose to Bonaventure by 10 – People aren't going to really happy about that either. So It's crazy, though, because if we – our first Instagram Live IG story was that Bonaventure choke that we had when I was down here in January in this undisclosed location. I was in an airport in undisclosed location. <laughs> and if we had that win and we lost tonight, it's a different story. I mean, not really, but, like, if this is a – that would have been a tier – It's a Q4 tier, loss. Tier it's got to be, right? It's a Q4 loss. Yeah, so it's an Q1 additional Q, Q1 win to a Q4 loss, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, okay, let's let's go that scenario. All right, we beat Duquesne, Bonaventure. Do we have any chance? Yes. I think we have a chance. Yes. I don't no, think we have a good chance. I think it, we have a chance. It, the it, it is, is so cannibalistic, we can beat anyone. I honestly any, believe that. I'm, any of the seeds one through one through twelve can win. Like that's a realistic possibility. Although George know, Mason, St. Joe's, St. Joe's at thirteen. George Mason is the most like fake news six seed of all time. They're awful. Yeah. Like we smoke it's, them. They're it is awful. insane that George Mason is ranked higher than us. That is nuts. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If you have anything to take away from that podcast, remember us playing George Mason back in like January, beating them by twenty at home. They yeah. finished ahead of us in conference. I just want everyone to know that. Uh, I also think UMass is pretty much fake news. I'm like, looking for you. UMass is. A, they UMass played nobody. Lost. They they've lost to I mean, everybody good. They've, I they've think played. they're. I think they're okay. I think we caught them at the right at the right time. Sure, they had Mitchell injured, but still, like they beat Saint and post beat, and post COVID pause. If they beat Fordham twice, Saint Joe's, like they did not beat anybody good. Fordham sleeper. But like realistically, like if someone were to tell you that, you know, Saint Bonaventure, Saint Louis, Dayton, VCU, Richmond. Um, I'm trying to think. Like, there's two more teams that 
I, I don't know. I think there's at least six probably six teams that you would not be shocked to, to win this tourney. So it's going to be a great watch. I mean, dude, I even think URI at ten could could make a run. They, you know, God, is Fats Russell going to shoot fifty for he five took, for he fifty took, from he the field? every big game. Um, but, I mean, look, uh, best case scenario is just getting to the championship game. I mean, but the issue is we're going to have to go through two teams that we've already lost to yeah. um, to get there. And, I mean, Duquesne, we have to win first, but then our path to the championship is Bonnie's, Bonnie's St. Louis pending. They don't get beat by UMass, which they it's know. Probably, it's, yeah, but it should probably, probably be Bonnie's St. Louis, which is yeah. not easy. And so, like, it's a very unrealistic well, possibility. St. Louis played UMass today, right? Um, yes, they, sure beat they, beat, they beat them pretty handily. Yeah. Um, everyone's saying, like, poor St. Bonaventure, they got, like, such a hard draw with Richmond as the eight seed, like, maybe on paper, but, like, we're playing, like, an eight seed right now, like, this, yeah. I mean, with, with, it, like, if I mean, Blake, back to backs. if Blake and Grant are not going to be 100% for this game on, what, Thursday, we're an eight seed, I mean, I think that's just, that's clear, that's what we saw tonight, yeah, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too, too much into it in one game, but, no, I, I think you're on the right page, um, oh, man, I think, hopefully everybody can tell our, our sense of, Sense of frustration we're, here. Yeah, we're disappointed, frustrated. Uh, you know, it's the worst thing to hear is when it's like, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. <laughs> so that's like your you dad. Your dad tells you that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I don't know. We'll see how this week goes. I'm hoping we can find a way into one of these games. I would love to see a Richmond game in person. Yeah. As much as he who will not be named denied us, I will be sending emails tomorrow morning immediately when I wake up. Um, <laughs> Just shouting that out for the podcast. I mean, you're, you're the media um, guy, dude. Let me give you a final question here as we start to wrap it up. I see a lot of people talking on Twitter, like, does having Nick Sherrod on this team change the season dramatically? What do you think? Um, just want to update. 76 votes. Uh, should Chris Money be fired? Is that 81.6% right now? Eight out of uh, every 10. So I've seen that a lot. I've seen that in the beginning of the season when we were playing well, and it was, no, it's not that big of a deal. Richmond, the same team. I see that again now when we're losing on a losing streak against terrible teams. Yeah, he was the difference. Don't get me wrong. I love Nick. I think he's a phenomenal player. I don't think he is the player that pushes us to the next level and gets us into the tournament. I don't know if you have a different take on that. I think Blake, honestly, kind of fills the same role as, as Nick does. I don't, I don't know how they would have played together um, this season, but I don't think he is the reason why we didn't make the tournament. I think the reason why we didn't make the tournament is because we didn't play defense and we didn't rebound and we didn't make the shots we needed to. My counterpoint to you is that there's two, two of those three things you named there are things that Nick Sherrod can help you with. You think? I don't know. Yeah, Nick Sherrod will make shots and he'll rebound. He'll rebound for a 6-4 guard. So here's so my counterpoint. So do you think he's enough to do it is what I'm asking. Yes, because – well, okay, we have to define what change the season means. Like, are we a lock at large with Nick Sherrod? No. That's, are we what, a, that's kind of are, what I'm saying. Are we a lock not at large with Nick Sherrod? I also with a higher think seed? no. I also think no. I think okay, we're still first four we're out with Nick Sherrod. Okay, like, we have two. Page. We have two more wins on the season. And here's here's why. Sure, maybe you agree with me, so I won't go too long here. But no, go go, long. Is, go for twenty more minutes. He's not like Blake. He's not a volume shooter. He is a high clip three point shooter. He's yeah. a minus defender and a minus athlete. But he's a plus rebounder for a 6'4 guard. So it takes more of the pressure off of us to rebound. And it also just, I think the big X factors, it takes pressure off of Tyler. Tyler can come yeah, off the bench. Right. He can be a spark plug. He can get some dunks and alley-oops and blocks, but doesn't have to be a consistent three-point shooter for us. Yeah, um, okay. I agree I mean, with all I, that. I would have taken Nick as our number three option after Grant and, and Jacob. Oh, here. dude, don't get me wrong. I would have loved to have Nick this year, 100%. Yeah. But I don't think, I feel like so many people on Twitter, which is a toxic website that I'm addicted to are like, Oh, he's the reason why we're not in the tournament. I don't think that's the case. I, I think that's fair. I don't think having I Nick Sherrod makes us I a think, I love watching him play. Yeah. I think he's passionate. I just don't think he's the reason. I feel like people are trying to find a place to throw blame. First it goes on Mooney. Next is Nick not playing yeah. is the reason why we didn't make it. But maybe I'm also just uninformed because I feel like I haven't seen Nick really play in two years. Yep. Yeah. I'm curious if the, if the rest of the narrative from things we hear is going to be like, Oh, if Nick is here, this whole season is different. He spaces the floor. He hits shots. We're an at-large team. Like, I don't think it's that far, but I do think it is, you know, some ground given up. So yeah, just thought totally. that was interesting because I, I almost want to, like, tonight I want to go back and listen to our first podcast to hear what we talk about. I'm, I'm curious um, to hear how we kind of address it. Oh, <laughs> oh, I, I remember what I said on that first podcast. <laughs> I kind of want to listen back in. I can't remember. Um, oh, I, I already remember it was me saying <laughs> that I'm going to be positive this year, but 
if we get to the point where we choke and don't make the tournament, I'm not going to be surprised. And that's yep. kind of exactly where we are right there now. There we are. Yep. So oh, I think with that, I think that's the best summary you could ever have, man. So, no, I mean, we crushed almost an hour. I think, I think you'll get everything you need in that hour. And I'm glad. Uh, glad I hope so. Whoever's still listening. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, um, to you with my seltzer. Yeah, I think we'll try to get some sort of content out there for for the the game on Thursday, whether it's a quick, you know, five minute video or if it is a quick, you know, 20 minute podcast. Yeah. Um, we I think we tried to make this quick, but we haven't talked in a while. So it just started to go go off, which I love. We had to um, catch up eventually. But yeah, it's uh, look, you cannot be excited if you're a Richmond fan right now. And I think our only hope and I did hear Jacob say this in the post game, like and Coach Moody said interesting. I mean, Jacob basically said, like, it's winter go home. If that doesn't motivate you, I don't know what was. So yeah, I, I think that our leaders are going to come out with intensity on this Thursday game. But Coach Moody was asked to kind of recap the regular season. Um, John O'Connor, our guy, shout out JOC, he basically asked Coach Mooney, hey, regular season's over. Could you, in a sentence or two, kind of recap what you guys experienced in this regular season? And Coach Mooney said, uh, he said, we went through a lot of adversity. The season's not over yet. <laughs> so, like, yeah. go watch it. It's on YouTube. Like, skip to the I, end. Oh, don't worry. I will watch it immediately after this. Um, it didn't give me a lot of confidence. Like, I kind of wanted, like, the Kobe, like, job, job's not done. Yeah. Like, like I know you're, we're not he up. Like, gave, we're down. He kind of gave that to you. He said the season's not over yet. I know, but it didn't sound too confident. So, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to see. But, um, no, man, I'm good. I, I think I think we covered everything here. So, I think we should we should wrap this thing up. You got anything else you want to add before we, we wrap? No, I think I think we hit everything. Um, cool. Stay tuned. I will be emailing the A10 immediately after I get off this this podcast. So you are not happy. <laughs> if you're not in the building, I will find my way in the into the Siegel Center on Thursday afternoon. I will drive the six hours from the undisclosed location which I'm in right now. I will be at that game. That's all I have to say. Thank you everyone for listening. Thanks for joining the IG Live. Thanks for following us. Sorry we haven't put out a podcast in a while, but uh, I, I'm very happy with this one right now. So I am very happy too. Thank you, everybody. We will see you guys Thursday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern. If that doesn't get you pumped up, I don't know what will. The 11 a.m. start is ridiculous. I can't get over that. But I'm actually going to take off and just start drinking at like 9 in the morning. So if you want to join me, we, sorry, will, we, we'll do some IG lives. It has, been, it has been almost a month since our last podcast. It was February 2nd, which is crazy. crazy. So Time well, not a full month because February is a fake month, but we're back. The boys are back. Going to be a lot of content, good or bad, good or bad. If we lose against Duquesne, if we make a tournament run, we're going to be with you guys. So thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, not parlor. And we'll see y'all soon. Clubhouse. Hit us up on Clubhouse. Oh, God. The biggest Clubhouse band ever. Peace, Clubhouse. Peace. Peace.